Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Grant. And how are you? I'm not too foul at all. <laughs> not too foul. Well, that's a throwback and revealing your age, I do believe. Just a tad, just a <laughs> tad. <laughs> But Uh, tell us, what's happening today? Today, we're going to be talking about one of Australia's native crops, lemon myrtle, also known as the queen of lemon herbs. We are joined by the general manager of Australian native products, Ross Norris. Uh, The company has just received organic certification for its lemon myrtle plantations. Ross is going to talk to us about the remarkable qualities of lemon myrtle, But he is also going to share with us how Australian Native Products is determined to put this herb on the international stage and really develop uh, the industry. Hi, Ross. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me today. Absolute pleasure. So, uh, Australian Native Products, what is it? Where is it? How big is it? What's it been up to? So Australian Native Products was founded in 1998 by Gary Mazzarana, uh, initially in the northern rivers of New South Wales with just one farm of about 16 acres. It's now spread across uh, three farms in the northern rivers and another two farms and up in the Atherton Tablelands of northern Queensland and covering just under 110 hectares of lemon and anise myrtle trees under plantation. Oh, right. Okay. Now, they're quite different climate zones. Does that is that just part of lemon myrtle being an Australian native, that it's pretty hardy and you can grow it anywhere? No, it, it prefers subtropical climate. So it grows best in the, the northern half of the Australian coast and more specifically on the uh, on the east coast of Australia. Uh, so it's generally in colder climates. It doesn't grow as fast. It's not as hardy and it's a bit more disease prone. But uh, it, whilst it is native to Australia, it's, it's native in small stands. So you don't find it uh, covering vast tracts of the countryside. Mm, okay. And with those properties, how much are you producing in, in say, a year? Uh, That's a good question. Because the farms are, we've been planting trees madly and now have about 250,000 trees in the ground across those 110 hectares. uh, We're the largest grower of lemon myrtle globally um, and average, it's hard to put a number on it because some of what we take off the trees goes to a dried spice or a tea leaf and others is distilled for essential oil or used for extracts. Um, but roughly speaking, we get about five kilos per uh, per tree per year. So we've got the potential to output about um, uh, 1.25 million kilograms of lemon myrtle annually. But uh, as I said, the farms are uh, in a young stage. Uh, a lemon myrtle tree needs to grow about four to five years before it reaches uh, maturity. Uh, and that enables us to then hedge them into rows so you the farms are easily recognizable because you see row upon row of christmas tree looking hedges um so they're fascinating and if you're walking you get 
this beautiful lemon aroma in the air. I was air. going to say, it must, like, if you're, the, the actual plantation must have a remarkable aroma. It does, and more so if we're running the stills because you'll have uh, not just the natural aroma of the trees, but you'll have the aroma of the oil as it's uh, condensing out of the stills. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is one of those uh, plants that, uh, you know how when you see an image of a tea plantation, it's got a really romantic uh, notion to it. Lemon myrtle is much the same. When you see the farms, you, you know that it's not a typical agricultural crop. So most people, when we describe, we, when we talk to locals about where our farms are, we'll say, oh, you know, we're up there in Paddy's Green just out the back of Marimba. And they go, oh, I've seen that farm. You know, I, I've always wondered. I drive past it and I wonder what it is. And you go, there it is. It's lemon myrtle. And so people really, they know it once they've seen it. Um, and certainly once they've tasted it as well, they know it. <laughs> um, I now, of course, want a lemon myrtle Christmas tree. <laughs> They're How good would that be? Instead of a instead of a pine tree that drops all its needles, you could have this beautiful Australian native citrusy smelling, you know, yeah, myrtle would be. In, the, in the corner. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. They are they're pretty difficult to grow. Actually, they a lot of commercial yeah a lot of commercial nurseries tend to avoid them because they have a a very low success rate from seed. And even from um, cuttings uh, or cultivation, they've got a pretty low low growth rate too. So, thankfully, over the um, the twenty four years that we've been operating, we've been able to refine our techniques. So, our Queensland farms have uh, their own on site nurseries. So, we maintain a uh, a constant stable of cuttings and a range of different cultivars. Right, right. Uh, how many kilos, or how much do you harvest off one tree, for example? One tree at full maturity can give us five to seven kilograms of leaf per year. Um, and that may be, depending on the climate, we're moving towards harvesting a couple of times a year. So there is not, there's no specific season for harvesting lemon myrtle, which really lets us balance our operations. So we will always be harvesting one of our fields somewhere, which enables us to really keep a steady supply of lemon myrtle coming through the factory. And I imagine, you know, once you're starting to look to grow your market, both domestically and and export, having that continuity is crucial. Absolutely. I think one of the, the biggest challenges for the the native food industry is convincing the large brands that uh, there is the security of supply and the consistency of supply. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of products, you know, for example, Kakadu Plum um, tends to be wild harvested in a very narrow um, season, which makes um, which makes it a real challenge for large brands to to decide to use it uh, in their NPD. Uh, so we've been because uh, of our numerous quality certifications, as you mentioned before, the organic certification, because we've got farms in two uh, two distinct areas, and we've got two factories, one on at each location. That really gives us the ability to confidently supply people and make sure that they get a consistent quality product from from batch to batch. Yeah, can you talk to me about what the what the processing looks like? Like, I know that um, the company has you know invested about four million dollars at the at the far north Queensland sites. What does a what does a you know processing facility look like for lemon myrtle? Absolutely. I mean, and we're super proud of our processing facilities. We 
Um, we've always had a desire to be innovative in the area of processing and not just for the sake of it, but also to produce consistent quality and to protect um, the beautiful nature of the, the citrus aroma and flavour of the lemon myrtle. Uh, in the old days and on small operations, still a lot of the uh, ways that uh, a lot of the growers will dry lemon myrtle by what's called batch drying. And they'll literally get a bin of lemon myrtle and put it in a, a hot box. The problem with that is that it tends to um, brown off a bit more quickly because you've got um, hot air blowing through the lemon myrtle. And as you can imagine, it, it, there's, there's dense patches and there's um, loose patches within that bin, which means some parts get really hot and um, they get really brown and other parts stay uh, more moist, which means when it's then milled and settled, you end up with a browner product that um, uh, that can have problems with shelf life. Sounds like what would happen to me if you put me in a hot box. <laughs> Very possibly. <laughs> sounds like sounds like me every Sydney summer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> So what we've done is in our New South Wales site, we pioneered the concept of continuous drying, which is really sending the, the leaf straight into a dryer so that it um, moves through the dryer rather than the air being moved through the lemon myrtle. So, And likewise, in our North Queensland site, we've taken that concept a step further and we're able to take lemon myrtle from the field, dry it, separate the, the leaves from the stems, um, mill the leaf up, um, manage a consistent level of moisture in there so that we don't get uh, damp spots, um, but also dry it really quickly so that we protect the aroma and the colour and the flavour. And more often than not, we've taken it from the field uh, to a packed a vacuum-packed bag within 12 hours, uh, which which really leaves us with a product that is unbelievably fresh. I mean, we were recently in the US, and I'll mention a bit more of that later on, but we had people who have experienced lemon myrtle before but had no idea about how fresh and citrusy the aroma was because they hadn't been given product that was processed in the fastest possible way uh, or stored in the best way. So we're really, uh, people, when they first smell it, are just, wow, this thing is amazing. Yeah, no, I think um, I, I love that idea of it sort of coming straight, almost straight out of the paddock and straight into the dryer and and then, you know, by the end of the day, it's uh, it's ready to be, you know, shipped to, to wherever it's going. I think, I don't know, I think that's pretty, I think that's always, always a fascinating process. It absolutely, it requires a fair amount of balancing in terms of knowing when our customers want product and, and whether it's going to a tea client or whether it's being used for a culinary application. But again, with 110 hectares, with multiple factories and with a, a super professional team of people who are really passionate about taking lemon myrtle to the world, we're able to, to match up harvesting with our order requirements. So we really are able to guarantee that our customers get the freshest product possible and and consistency. You know, we've got a high level of traceability within the uh, within our farm. So we can really, any bag of lemon myrtle that we sell into the market can be traced back to the block it came off. Mm. Which, it's so important. I mean, if, if COVID, you know, didn't do anything, which could never be claimed, um, one of the things is is that this concept of traceability and and for for all levels of the supply chain um, has just reached a point of just such importance, hasn't it? 
Absolutely, and agricultural enterprises are, are no exception to the rule. I think there was a day when you could claim, oh, we run a farm, therefore that stuff doesn't apply to us. Not anymore. I mean, ourselves and the businesses we work with who um, you know run other farms of different kinds, we all run digital farm management systems. So we can you know, look at exactly what, um, you know, fertilisers were applied to a block, when it was mowed, how many hours it took us to mow it, you know, what the weather was like on the day it was mowed. So that you're absolutely right. We need to be able to offer that traceability. And especially when you're introducing this product to some of the world's biggest brands. It's got to, it's got to have consistency and quality and exactly. So you were talking before about how many kilos you will, you would harvest off a tree. Um, I imagine that if you're then using those leaves or and, and stems or to produce, say, essential oils compared to that that you're going to be using for a cooking process, you're going to need different amounts. So if you've got, let's say if you've got a kilo of leaves off a tree, what does that result in? What would be the output of that? So a kilo of fresh leaf from a tree will, will be roughly 75% moisture. So if we dry that out to be um, a, a spice, for every kilo, we'll get about 250 grams of a dried spice. By the time we dry the water off and separate out the, the stems and, and leave the, the sticks and the stems behind so that we've just got leaf, if we choose to distill it to oil, one kilo of fresh leaf will only give us about 12 grams of oh, oil. right. Right. So it's about so 1.2%. So how many kilos of leaves then do you need to, I don't know, produce a sizable amount of oil? Well, we, I mean, we will typically distill in batches of about 1,000 kilos. So one bin that gives has 1,000 kilos of, of leaf in there uh, will give us about 12 kilos of oil. Um, and we will, what we will do is, um, the sticks, so the sticks that are come off the uh, the separation process after the leaves are dried, they're not thrown out. They can actually get used in a couple of different ways. So we will distill those for oil or we're um, doing stability testing on a product at the moment, which would be uh, milling those sticks up into really fine particles and providing them to cosmetic applications as an exfoliating agent. So, you know, there's lots of... There's lots of great ways. I mean, we have a zero waste approach towards farming. So, for instance, we've got these bins of sticks, so we, we um, want to see if we can use it as an exfoliating agent because there's no, that we're, not, that we're aware of, there is no Australian-grown, fully organic, all-natural exfoliating agent. So we want to we see if we can get into that market. If we, the leftover organic matter after we run a distillation, uh, we actually throw that back into our compost. And so that gets put back underneath the trees um, to re-fertilise them. Um, we often, when we distill the oil, we're left with what's called a hydrozole or a floral water. So the that is essentially a steam distilled water that's got a very small amount of lemon myrtle oil in it. Now, lemon myrtle oil has incredible antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral properties so what we'll actually do is if we don't have a market for that, uh, that hydrozole, which goes into cosmetic applications, it can be used in beverages as a, a clean label lemon flavouring agent, that actually gets sprayed back on the trees 
to act as a all-natural antifungal agent for the trees. <laughs> That's <It's>, really cool. <laughs> we're just we're just getting started here, Kim. This is uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we've got so, um, go on. There is uh, <laughs> we've got a customer who buys our leaf and makes an extract out of it that is then used to control sebum production. So it's got clinical research behind it that shows that it can reduce the skin's oil production when used in cosmetic products. Also, when it's used in hair products, uh, it has the ability to slow down oil secretion from the hair follicle. So it's got such a high antioxidant um, capability that it uh, that it is... Um, really potent in that anti-aging space too. So we're exploring possible nutraceutical applications down the track, although that does take uh, quite a lot of evidence to, uh, to, provide, um, to provide products and to show that they're efficacious, which is why we've teamed up with the University of Queensland to fund that research uh, so that eventually we can expand into different categories beyond just tea or spice or essential mm. oil. And so if you're looking at it in terms of from from its functional properties, is, then, I mean, what about in the, in the better for you and the functional food market? There must be, there must be huge opportunities there beyond just the fact that, you know, lemon myrtle tastes nice and has a great citrus sort of profile. Like, those qualities into that functional food market must be, you know, immense. They are. We've only we've only just started educating people on that. Um, the antioxidant properties uh, give you a, a really great ability to promote it. It's got almost as much antioxidant clout as green tea. So a lot of the interest from our international markets is the fact that it is a tea that is high in antioxidants but zero caffeine. So green tea is high in antioxidants but has caffeine. So this really ticks both those boxes and we're getting some fantastic interest from the US as a result. If you look at, I mean, there's preliminary studies that have shown that uh, the lemon myrtle aroma when um, in waiting rooms can actually calm people down and relax people. So, you know, in the dentist waiting room or something like that, there is the ability to, if you have the essential oil burning, you can have calmer patients coming in. There's research that shows that it interferes with the bacteria that forms dental plaque. So you could have um, for foreseeably a, a toothpaste with lemon myrtle essential oil in it to naturally reduce uh, the plaque in your mouth. We've, or even um, like you could put it into a chewing gum. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, and it, uh, I think, you know, our why is really about not just taking lemon myrtle to the world and, and not just lemon myrtle, but really helping people nourish through nature and, you know, reminding people that there is more often than not a natural alternative to a lot of the, the pretty harsh chemicals we take as a given um, in modern life. So, for instance, um, recently there's been the tragic flooding events up in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. What, what we're finding is that when the floods have receded and, and for those houses that don't have to strip all the plasterboard off their walls, there is outbreaks of black mould. So we're just we're giving away the hydrosol to people to spray on their walls and it's really helping them not just control the mould, but really 
get rid of that that dank, dry, astringent odor you get when you've got mold present within an environment that's still quite damp. So we're seeing you know some great results there, and just you know for us, it's it's a great way to help but to give back to the community. Well, also, I mean, you know, when the company has been such a a mainstay in in that region, I mean, you're talking, you know, it's been there for what more than more than two decades. So it's um, and I think that's been something that's just come out of that whole experience, hasn't it? Is, is the is the community, um, the nature of the community in the northern in the northern rivers region? The northern rivers people are amazingly resilient. I mean, we've had staff. Uh, on our farms who have lost everything and they've just been so stoic and we've done what we can to help them. But, you know, the healing process takes a long, long time. Oh, so Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so you've just been to the US as we all start to tentatively, you know, go back to airports and board planes. Uh, what were you doing over there? We'd previously been sending small quantities into the US and had received patchy uh, feedback, but always very positive. So we've decided that uh, because the US is the second largest herbal tea market on the planet and because organic and um, caffeine-free and high antioxidant teas or teas with health benefits is a real market driver, we decided that that was a real growth opportunity for us. So we attended the World Tea Expo in Las Vegas in late March we, we took all our little, our little shortbreads and our uh, tea kits and our, all our little tools that help us demonstrate how amazing lemon myrtle is and we went and ran a booth there for the World Tea Expo and it was just quite, quite honestly we were blown away by how positive people were and we were fortunate enough to, uh, to get in and speak to a lot of the big tea brands in the US and everyone there's just that moment when someone smells it or they taste the tea where their eyes just look at you and they go, oh, my God, I can't believe I've never tasted this before (laughs) and I can't believe how pure the citrus note is and how intense it is. And so that really allowed us to have some fantastic conversations and we'll be back there probably in in the next couple of months to follow those discussions up. Uh, But... We also wanted to speak to companies about uh, distribution in the states. Obviously, breaking into a new market, you need to be able to have product on the ground available. So we're pleased to say we've almost made those decisions and, and are about to sign on a couple of companies to, to help us spread the gospel of lemon myrtle and uh, just do some really grassroots marketing and, and, and allow people to taste it. It's one of those products you just need to get it into people's hands and under their nose, and that is 90% of the challenge done. Um, and uh, after that, after they have that initial wow, they then just need to be able to uh, point them to where they can buy it repeatedly. And so we're, we were really thrilled with the response from the states, uh, not just from small boutique tea brands, also some of the biggest names in the tea industry in the USA uh, were just saying, "Wow, this stuff's amazing!" And um, you know, we've got a m- number of projects we can use this for, and we can't wait to see you again. So we feel really, really thrilled that we think that there's great potential there in the states, and um, I think also the tea market has uh, the German herbal tea market is the biggest in the world and really? German yeah, absolutely the German and, the, 
the Germans are the big herbal tea drinkers. Yes. I was not expecting you to say that, Ross. No, no. <laughs> not only do they make pretty good cars, they That's right. are pretty. <laughs> not only are they very organised. In Exactly. They're fantastic engineers and fantastic tea brewers as well. But so successful are they that they've been able to uh, dominate the supply of ingredients into the herbal tea market in the United States. So a quarter of the ingredients sent into the States come from Germany. And I can guarantee you not all of those ingredients are grown in Europe or Germany. So we really wanted to provide the tea companies with a direct-to-market option um, of lemon myrtle, which, uh, and I think we really were able to uh, capture some hearts and minds while we were there. So we were thrilled with that trip. That is just, I mean, the potential is, and that is just so exciting. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, a child's first Christmas and the eyes go wide and, and, you know, it's like, what? It's, I just think, you know, and it's an Australian native and you guys are the, the, the way you're growing it and the way you're processing it is all incredibly sensitive to the environment and the product itself has huge, huge applications and benefits for, um, for you know, for consumption and use. I, it's, it's really exciting stuff. Now, I mean, it's probably quite obvious, but I do ask all of our guests, uh, what puts a kick in your step? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I, I, I actually am a bit of a granddad now. That, well, not, I'm not literally a granddad. <laughs> I was going to say Go that. on. But no, I'm a, I'm a bit of a nana in that uh, I'm an early, early to bed. And so I, I get up pretty early and it's really, for me, just about connecting people and, and what, seeing them go, wow, this stuff's amazing. But also working with my team who are super passionate bunch of people who love Lemon Myrtle as much as I do. Uh, the founder of the business, Gary, even though he sold it five years ago to the current owners, he is still with the business. He still helps us out on on technical projects. Um, and for me, it's the variety. You know, I might be in any given day, I can be having a discussion with a tea client about, you know, the aroma in a tea blend. Then I might be talking to a, uh, a client who uses the essential oil in personal care applications. So we're talking about, you know, oh, this is amazing in this, um, you know, face cream. And then We'll, we'll be talking to a candle manufacturer and then I'll be talking, you know, science with someone who's using the extract and, you know, we're working with some of the world's biggest flavour houses to develop really um, natural extracts and flavours that would be um, fantastic for beverage applications. Um, and even then I can finish the day talking to our research partners to say, okay, you know, a great project we're doing at the moment, for instance, is we're trialling a, a natural preservative system consisting of lemon myrtle and anise myrtle and Tasmanian pepper leaf to completely replace synthetic preservatives. So get rid of sodium benzoate, get rid of potassium sorbate, replace it with a mix of native oils. So, you know, that's, that's what gets me out of bed is the ability to, <laughs> to just know that, you know, we've got this immediate market which we're servicing but so much potential thereafter and it just needs to be nurtured all all of the way until it gets to a point where it hits that tipping point and where, you know, we've got some really big food brands in Australia circling going, okay, we believe we're ready for lemon myrtle now and that you're ready for us to, to buy the product so that we can use it in the big brands. Ross, thank you so much for, for filling us in on everything there is to know about lemon myrtle and also about 
the really promising work that Australian Native Products is doing. Uh, what do you think about that, Grant? I've been sitting here absolutely amazed listening in and uh, always knew there was something about lemon myrtle, but wow, it's now scientifically proven as well. I know, right? <laughs> and But it's, you know, it's a sense of opportunity or it's, this, you know, it's almost tangible, this excitement about once, you know, a market like the size of the US or Germany... <laughs> That's another whole discussion. Clearly, we need to have another episode just on that. Uh, you know that they're going. That they're just getting. They're they're only just getting wind of its capabilities. It's, ooh, I love it. Thank you so Thank, much, Ross. Oh, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Grant. I mean, for us, it's you know any opportunity to to chew someone's ear off about how amazing <laughs> lemon myrtle is. I haven't even started on a niece myrtle, which is uh, oh no, you know, has even... similar functional benefits, but tastes like a really soft licorice rather than <laughs> the uh, uh, rather than the the beautiful ar- lemon aroma. But that's that's for another day. That's for another day. We'll we'll do you know we'll do part two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank excuse. you so much for having me on, Kim and Grant. No worries. Thanks, Ross. That's an excellent excuse to bring you back by the sounds of it. Of course, thanks, Kim, for uh, guiding us through this discussion. And thanks to our audience for joining us today. And don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from this amazing show. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.